Hey everybody, this is Roland Denzel from The Fitting. This is the Eat Well, Move Well podcast, episode number six. And uh, I'm Galena Denzel, sitting here um, with uh, Roland and uh, ready to share what's been going on over the last month. How long since we did episode five? It's been quite a while. We, well, Maybe a month. Didn't we do one in the middle, a couple days into the 30 days? Yes, I feel like we did. Okay. I feel like you're right. I feel like we need to start recording this over again. No, we're good. We're, we're rambling. No, we're good. Um, so we've got a couple of things we want to talk about today. And the first thing we're going to talk about is the 30 days of real food a challenge that so many of you guys joined us on is um, it's over for, the, for a lot of people, right? For yeah, I, I have a couple of uh, clients who started about a week or 10 days into it, so they're still going strong. But most people started right... January 2nd, when you and I started. Mm-hmm. We had a couple of people that started before, like they heard about we were going to do it, and they started early, and they're still going. So for them, it's like the 40-day yeah. challenge. So, um, And that's sort of what we want to talk about. Like, How are we, what are, what, have we, what are we doing different since the official 30 days is over? Did we just throw caution to the wind and start... Um, Living the standard American diet, rice krispies and ice cream flowing like water down our uh, out of our faucets. No, we did not. What are you doing differently, dear? Well, it was interesting because if you've been with us for a while, you know that in December we did 21 days of uh, what Roland called the detox, um, where we, we ate pretty strict right before the holidays because we knew some um, yummy foods were coming our way and uh, we didn't want to go into it um, already eating some of those foods. So we went a whole month um, grain-free and dairy-free. And I thought that that would be difficult for me because I come from a very dairy-heavy culture. However, after 21 days of no dairy, I still didn't feel like adding it in for a while. And I feel like those 21 days in December really helped me realize I don't really need to rely so heavily on dairy to get my um, protein. So I added more uh, bone broths and more soups and more meats and more fish and more eggs. So I'm able to, even a couple months after it, to do very well. I'm able to do very well with less dairy in general. And I'm very happy about this um, because it's just not the best source of... um, It's very delicious and it adds a lot of flavor to dishes. But it's really hard to rely on dairy to get your protein. There just isn't that much in it other than um, Greek yogurt and cottage cheese. There's very few sources of dairy that you can get that have enough protein so you end up eating so many calories to get enough protein from dairy so i'm happy that i eliminated that and then i'm eating less of it now now that the 30 days of real food of january are over um we gave ourselves a couple of easy days i had a couple of corn tortillas i had a cup or two of rice krispies that the kids left in the house Please don't do this again if you're listening. Um, not that Rice Krispies are horrible for you, but it's certainly not food that I need to eat um, at the end of my day when I've already eaten plenty of calories. Uh, so I feel pretty good. I'm going strong. I had an interesting challenge the last week of the 30 days of real food. I was not at home. And uh, that dawned on me probably a couple of days before I left uh, for Ventura. I did a week of internship at the Restorative Exercise Institute, and um, I stayed at somebody's home, uh, and that was cool because I could cook, but I still had two or three meals literally eaten on foot uh, every day, so that was a lot of wild-caught sardines and avocados and uh, some um, avocados and what macadamias, almonds, um, it was just food that I could easily just grab and, and eat. And that still went good, even with those challenges. Am I missing anything? Um, I don't think so. From my point of view, I've got, um, I, you know, I never really relied much on dairy. I mean, I ate dairy, but I never really relied on it for protein. I just relied on it for, I guess, for enjoyment. So half and half of my coffee, and I like cheese on my burgers, 
and but like for things like uh even if i if i cook like i can do without cheese on it omelets or like if i make tacos at home i don't need to have cheese on them or don't need sour cream i like those things but i would never really the the biggest challenge for me during the dairy free part was was coffee just because at home it wasn't a problem because i just used coconut milk mm -hmm. um but when you're out um Unless their coffee's good, which a lot of places don't have good coffee, it's hard to, I don't like to drink a black, so. Yeah, but that was in December. Yeah, in December. So that, that was the lesson about the, or going mm -hmm. back to your lesson about mm -hmm. the dairy. So, um, I do eat, I mean, I made an effort afterward to, to still eat less of it. So I got out of the habit of so much cheese on the bunless burgers. So I just continue to eat bunless hamburgers more than bunless cheeseburgers. But I haven't noticed any down, any negative to having having dairy um i thought that dairy gave me like a <clears throat> like where i have to clear my throat mm -hmm. so going 21 days without it i noticed that that still happened at sometimes and but i don't know i still don't know what caused it because it, it would be some it was always after i ate but sometimes it would be after just eating a, a burger that i made at home and sometimes not so no it's not definitely not dairy you might have to go on some more strict elimination diet where you remove a whole bunch of things yeah. and see if that affects it. Um, yeah. That's what I would say if you were my client. I'd be like, well, let's do something a little bit more extreme. Well, and something take, to consider because uh, you know, I don't think it's like something specific that I'm eating at any given meal. I think it's something just that I have in general in my diet. Yeah, so. Something cumulative. And then you don't know it could be something that's not a food. Yeah, it's true. It could be a drink. It could be coffee. You have coffee every day. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I suppose. You know, it could be anything. So um, just trying different types of coffee maybe would help or cutting it out for a while and seeing what happens. So let's talk a little bit before we go on to the next subject just about, okay, so the 30 days are over, but pretty close to, uh, although th we went 30 days without having like, like a cheat meal or anything like that. That's pretty much how we live anyway. So, like, we don't eat dairy-free, like, on the 21-day challenge that we had the first time. But we pretty much eat like we do on the 30 days. But we have, once or twice a week, we have things that we that our bodies do not react poorly to. And we allow ourselves to have them in a reasonable amount. So, for me, that's um, a couple of corn tortillas. Like, so, if I'm out someplace and I want some sort of taco, carne asada tacos or something like that. I'll have a couple of corn tortillas I and mean, they don't seem to negatively affect me. And, um, I don't think that's a problem. Every once in a while, uh, I'll have some rice with my sushi and I just try not to have a ton of the sushi and try to go more towards the sashimi part and keep the rice down just because I think it's basically empty calories. Same with the corn tortillas. I think they're empty calories, but I don't really think there's that much more of a negative if, if there's a kept to a smaller number in your diet. Mm -hmm. For I, me, I think also for you it's beer. Yeah. Um, since beer is not necessarily something you need for nutrition or to sustain good health, it's just one of these fun things that yeah. we like to have because they taste delicious. Yeah. So I went thirty days without beer. Yeah. And I've enjoyed. I had a. I've had a couple of beers since. Yeah, and so. I've had a couple of glasses of wine, and that was wonderful. Yeah, that was so wonderful. we did hear some feedback from some people that um, have, I guess, the most note with two different people unrelated who said on one on Super Bowl Sunday, um, he had been thirty days, and then had um, some pizza and some beer. No, no, he didn't have beer. He had pizza. He had pizza, and I think he had some sort of. Um, like egg roll okay. kind of things. Okay. And he said he didn't have any sort of, his, his, his stomach feels okay, but uh, today, which is Monday, after the Super Bowl, uh, today he said he felt like he like it, like it's a hangover. Okay. Like he just felt like super sluggish and like he, like he's just dragging. Glutenized. Yes. And he said the only thing that's different is because he says he's, he had overeaten other times in the past. It's the same things, but... The only thing that was different was the gluten, the, the, you know, because he had had dairy before. Okay. You know, so, so I think that so that's was the it. only difference yeah. was the dough on the pizza. Yeah, and then we had one other person who um, uh, said she had like a breakfast treat that had wheat in it. 
Okay. And like a would, muffin or something. Yeah, and she was wrecked for the whole day. Like. Oh wow. Yeah. So nothing else had been. Nothing else was different. She decided, hey, I'm gonna have one of those muffins. It wasn't even a huge one, and she was wrecked for the whole day. Interesting. So and, and um, yeah. So like, upsets to me. Yeah, I've had a couple of people that have commented that um, after they have taken grains out and they try to reintroduce, they just don't feel good at all. And that doesn't mean you can never have grain again. It just means that it might take a while for your system to heal until you can introduce it with no side effects. Um, I can have a little bit of wheat perfectly fine once, but then if I have two or three meals with it in a row, I start feeling pretty sluggish and I get brain fog. So everybody has a, a certain tolerance and just know that your body changes and heals and goes through different times. So don't sign grains off forever. Just know that you might have to test and retest yourself to see how you're doing. We have some pretty good praise reports from the 30 days of real food. Um, I'm going to be very selfish and say I'm very happy that my favorite hairdresser doesn't have any pain in his hands anymore so he can keep cutting my hair. I mean, that's a pretty big deal. If you have arthritis and pain in your hands and you use your hands exclusively for your job, what do you do if they hurt? Just miserable. Yeah, and we didn't tell him ahead of time. We didn't he, tell he him. He wanted to lose weight. He wanted to lose weight, and his doctor told him he needed to work on his blood pressure and stuff like that. So um, I suspected that eliminating some of these things would could help with his hands, but I didn't really say anything. Didn't say anything to him at all. And um, it was about two or three weeks into it, he just noticed. Oh my gosh! All of a sudden, my all of a sudden my hands don't hurt anymore. Yeah, and he had no tingling, no numbness. Yeah, it hurt for years. And it was getting worse to the point where he had been really concerned. So, um, you know, a lot of times people just, you know, they think, oh, it's arthritis, I'm getting old. But it could just be like a, could be like a buildup of something that you're sensitive to. Like years and years of years of this ongoing inflammation and irritation that suddenly, you know, that suddenly down with, you have pain to the level that you can actually feel. So... I think it was a good thing, a good thing to find out. Yeah, that reminds me of a friend of ours uh, who's um, a CrossFit coach, and he has elbow pain if he eats gluten, but when he doesn't eat gluten, his elbow pain goes away. So he can't lift if he's eating gluten. It's the weirdest thing. And then you can argue, oh, is it the placebo effect? Is it, like, psychosomatic? But, I mean, he's tested it so many times. He's like, hey, if I have gluten, my elbow falls off. So it's kind of funny. Jonathan? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's yeah. mentioned that a couple of times. And, you know, for a CrossFit dude, if you can't lift, you're miserable. So it's not worth it for him to to have gluten. We've had a couple of uh, friends that are families that have lost weight collectively, uh, which is pretty cool. A whole bunch of people at our church are doing it. It's really neat. And up in Ventura, uh, I met a, a friend who's a former client, um, who has found the 30 days of real food to be very, very beneficial in controlling her blood sugar. She's a type 1 diabetic. And she said she's having such an easy time controlling her blood sugar. She's down to half the units of insulin she was taking before. And she's just so happy and stable. So nice. that just makes me so excited because it's not that she didn't know that information before. Because I've worked with her on her nutrition before. It's just sometimes you need this extra push knowing that a hundred other people are doing it with you. And you're like, okay, I'm in. If they're doing it, I'm doing it. We had um, another couple who um, they started it for health reasons. Um, their mother, I think, I, think, I think her mother was, was, had been sick and decided to clean up her diet a, like a year or so ago. And now they were inspired because he has had what he called brain fog all the time mm. and he's sluggish and dragging all the time and he'd already given up coffee already given up caffeine and he thought oh this is just like the caffeine withdrawal but then after like a month of no caffeine and no coffee he was still dragging and still mm. feeling sluggish all the time and about a couple weeks in um he's feeling great he says he has more energy despite the fact he was already a pretty skinny guy um and he and his wife have already come to us and said we need to get together because we need to figure out how we can um how we can eat more because it's so easy. We've lost weight and we're worried that we're going to lose too much. I hate people like that. Yeah, but it's also cool to see how even people who don't need to lose weight 
when you have a limited amount of foods you can eat, limited types of foods you can eat, you end up consuming less. And that that's where that food reward theory comes in, where, you know, simpler foods, less variety, um, it's less food reward. So there's less behavioral stimulation, I guess, or less yeah. behavioral reward in, in eating more. And they're not hungry. It's not like they're all yeah. so hungry, and, but there's nothing I, good I can eat. They're like, oh, no, we eat all, all the meals we need. It's just, you know, yeah. we need some... Uh, yeah, but there's plenty of options. I mean, if you're in it for the health, there's plenty of options. There's coconut milk. There's coconut itself. There's um, sweet potatoes and potatoes, and just like um, like we're doing. If you have, if you're if you're not really watching your weight, and you're just in it for the health, there are plenty of options that are to get extra calories. And that's where smoothies come in, people. Um, I, I love it when people who try to lose weight want to have smoothies, but these calories don't really register very well. And if you're trying to gain weight or to maintain your weight, smoothies are a wonderful way to make sure that you're having enough calories. Um, one of my hosts uh, up in Ventura uh, is a really cool lady, really careful with what she's eating. I was making these giant smoothies every morning, and I swear it was like six servings. And she was like, I'm not hungry at all after this. Well, no kidding. You're having six servings in, you know, within 15 minutes. Of course you're not going to be hungry because it's a thousand calories of fruits and vegetables. It was just wild. Um, it's just really easy to overconsume smoothies. And unless you overconsume them, you're going to be hungry very quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's something that you you want to consider when uh, you're continuing on your diet. So a few words at the end about how do you keep going after these thirty days. Um, everybody wants to continue on their path um, with the results that they have, having found what affects them well and what doesn't affect them so well. So if you have found out that grains don't sit quite well with you yet, give it another couple of months before you try to reintroduce them. Um, if you have any questions about how much to eat, how to spread out your food, just jump in on the Facebook page and ask us because we want to be able to help you specifically with what you're wondering after the 30 days of real food. We don't want you to um, just sit there by yourself and try to figure it out. Yep. Yeah? Yeah. That's about it for the 30 days of real food, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah. So talking about Ventura and my um, one week of restorative exercise internship, uh, Roland, do you want to share your experience with restorative exercise real quick from a guy's perspective? Yeah, I thought it was pretty interesting. And if you don't know what restorative exercise is, you're going to, I guess you'll hear like terms like alignment, proper alignment, um, whole body alignment, whole body alignment. This is what I teach. Yeah. And it, I don't know. I, I'll be honest. At first, I kind of rolled my eyes about it, and because you know alignment, what does what does that even mean? But it makes it makes pretty good sense. And I wrote a little bit about it on my personal personal blog, and I'll put the link to it in the, the show notes. Um, it's littledoglost.blogspot.com, and that's where I'm going to sort of document, sort of like my diary of, of, of fixing myself, fixing myself. No, hello, fixing myself. In my own alignment, my own movement problems. So, the the theory in the, in in a nutshell is, if you consider how gravity is pulling us down, um, the way to properly hold yourself is straight up and down. So, if you're hunched over or you're leaning backwards, you're leaning forwards, you're standing with your hips tilted, like front to back. And all these different things play in it. It, it, it makes um, gravity pull down differently on you know on different parts of your body, and you start to compensate. And pretty soon, you're you're curved left to right, you're curved front to back, and you're no longer you're no longer as tall as you are for one thing. And what happens is your muscles you know compensate. They get too strong in one area, they get too weak, too short in the other, and it's a vicious circle. They they they'll get stronger and stronger on one side, weaker and shorter on the other, and then they have to get stronger on the other side to compensate, and weaker and shorter on the other to compensate again. And pretty soon, <clears throat> you're like what you see with some very old people with that that hump on their back, you know, or, you know like sort of a hunchback thing. It's called the dowager's, dowager's hump. And um, that's just one 
one thing, but it can also lead to, um, you know, uh, cervical stenosis, which is like a pinch, pinching of the compression of the spinal cord, and in um, can lead to, you know, things like carpal tunnel syndrome and uh, ulnar neuropathy, where the, the, your body has compensated to a point where your nerve, your nerves are trapped and having to, your nerves are trapped and having to make too many like sharp turns in between things, they're, they're restricted. And also your blood flow is restricted. So um, think of like a kink in a garden hose. Um, if you have too many kinks in your blood, it's not like a kink like a garden hose, but it's too many twists and turns. And the more twists and turns you have and the tighter they are, the more restrictive your blood flow is. It affects your blood pressure and also affects how... Um, plaque can be uh, can accumulate in your arteries because every time there's a turbulent area, so every time there's too much of a, a non-gradual twist or turn, you have turbulence. You have um, you know the the blood blasting against one side of the the artery wall, and it causes turbulence. Just like if you were to spray water against a wall, splashing things like that, and um, that can, that's a over time causes calcification and and plaque to form in that spot which then decreases the blood flow even more. So it's a, you know, there's so many vicious circles in this thing. And um, and that's just the stuff that we think about from health. I mean, from if you're into any sort of sports or like I got into this whole fitness thing by starting losing weight and then lifting weights. And alignment affects my ability, alignment affects my ability to squat properly or squat at all. Um, um, it's just all sorts of things. I, my shoulder health has, has sort of suffered because I haven't been in, in proper alignment. And alignment's just one term. There's all these different things. There's mobility. There's flexibility. They're all this big overlapping continuum of uh, of health as as it relates to your joints and your blood flow and your and your and your alignment. So alignment is just the term that the Restorative Exercise Institute has chosen to use to, to focus on, and I think it's a pretty good one. It is a pretty good one. Um, if if I can sum up here, you did very well. You have a, a good grasp of what alignment is. Okay. But the whole body alignment program, which is what I teach, is more of a health paradigm, a change for a health paradigm, and a whole body cell regeneration program. Because if you think about blood flow and lymph flow and flow of electricity, it is those living substances that get to every cell that make sure that each cell replicates properly, that you have tissue that's at the best quality possible. But if you have areas that are not getting enough blood flow or lymph flow or electrical flow, you're not going to have activity in there, you're not going to have regeneration in there, and you won't have participation in there. So a muscle that is short or stiff or a muscle that's all knotted up and feels like there's, you know, it just doesn't feel healthy. Like when you go to a massage and they find these trigger points, these muscles, they already have a chemical imbalance. Those muscles already don't regenerate properly. So you're changing the actual tissue and structure of the tissue, where if you go to the gym and try to lift with that tissue there, over time you're going to end up having dysfunction and injury. So it's not only your muscles and your musculoskeletal system and whether you're going to get a shoulder impingement or a nerve entrapment or you're going to blow out an ACL. It's also the health of your cardiovascular system and all of your organs because your organs kind of reside within your skeleton. Your, your skeleton gives the framework for where your organs live. And I just finished teaching a pelvic floor workshop today. I had a month uh, where I was presenting this information to a group of women. And so with pelvic floor disorder, which can manifest as incontinence or pelvic floor pain or prolapse or all sorts of different symptoms, and in men it manifests as erectile dysfunction and prostate enlargement, um, we look at these disorders as if something's wrong and something's broken with the organs or the muscles, but we don't think of where the skeleton is in space. So if you change the skeletal position because of your habits, where you choose to hold your pelvis, like in front of you or behind you or tilted a certain way, or where you choose to hold your spine with certain curves in it because of culture or because of habits, 
then that changes the whole arrangement of how your organs live inside of you and how they present themselves onto your pelvic floor. So it's one thing leading to another. And um, it's like you said with cardiovascular health, it's the blood vessel geometry is different, muscular activity is different, blood flow is different because of the tension or the structure of our muscles. So it's not as simple as sit at work all day and then go to the gym and make up for it. You can't take a 21st century body and throw it into any movement program and just hope that it resolves itself. It's just not going to happen. And this is why we see so many people in the gym with injuries and chronic pain and people that work out and get results for a while and then they stop getting results. That's why we see so many women with sluggish metabolism. Well, what is your metabolism? It's how you're burning energy throughout the, the yeah, whole it's the, week. It's your body's capability and desire mm-hmm. to burn energy. So if it's uncomfortable in movement, it's not going to move. Subconsciously going to restrict movement. Mm-hmm. And if it's um, if the blood flow is difficult, um, electrical flow is difficult, it's like turning it down. It's like if you have an electric motor that mm-hmm. runs on... Mm-hmm. on the, it's going to be a bad electrical analogy because I'm not an electrician. But let's say you have an electric motor. or You've all seen it. If you have an electric, like a remote control car, and... It's running and zipping around really fast for the first half an hour, and then the battery starts to run low. Mm. You know, it just starts to slow down. Well, that's, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a similar thing. And there are some very common things. I'm just going to give you a couple of things that are, that, that could hit home for you. And um, impotence is the big one. Like, is a really big one for guys. You know, erectile dysfunction, it's a, big, it's a big one. So these drugs, like Viagra and Cialis, what they do is they improve blood flow to the area. So it's not improving blood flow to the area, um, like, oh, this is like, we're, this is a workaround. We're, we're gonna, we're gonna give you this, which is gonna take care of the, the problem by, by increasing blood flow. No, the problem is that you don't have enough blood flow. And if, if it's something else, this is why if it's a psychological issue, you have impotence or, or uh, erectile dysfunction, why Viagra doesn't work. Because you already have enough blood flow to get things done. But, you know, you don't have the, the mental desire or the emotional capability of doing it right now. So um, if Viagra is working for you, there's probably something wrong. And it, could, it, may, it may not be alignment related. It could be diabetes related. It could be all sorts of things. But... Um, that, that's an example. And other, other ones are incontinent, incontinence, able to, to hold it, or also being able to go to the bathroom, going, going number two. Um, that's another one. Because when you're out of alignment, things are twisted and turned down there as well. Well, and, and there's with a lot of people with constipation, uh, what we see is elimination is a downward process. So something is going down and out of your body. But a lot of people are so busy holding those functions in because you have to finish a project at work. So you can't go for number two right now. Or you're, you know, there's no bathroom around or you hate these bathrooms. So you're holding. And these constant activities of holding and preventing, um, the flow of number one and the push of number two, uh, over time they end up in this, um, upward motion that you're doing constantly. So when you go to the bathroom and you try to push down, you're pushing against your own force that you've created in the opposite direction. So it's really, That's really hard to turn off. Yeah, it's really hard. You first have to turn off and relax in order to let all of these things go down. So it's not only the misalignment of where your organs are inside your pelvis relative to each other, but also what are the forces that you're playing with? And a big force that women play with, and I just worked with a lady today who's a big uh, belly sucker, is we suck, Is that, that that's a bad thing in English probably, we suck our bellies in in order to look thinner. If you look your belly, if you let your belly go, it's like boom, you look like Buddha, you suck it in, you look like Superman, let it go Buddha, suck it in, you look like Superman. So most people prefer to look like Superman or Catwoman, I guess, if you're a female. And... This constant creating of this tension of, of sucking in, of creating this illusion of having tight abs, uh, you don't do it because you're strong. You do it because you've created vacuum somewhere else. So now you've misplaced your diaphragm, and now you've misplaced how much you can breathe, and now you've created stress, and now 
there's different tensions in your in your abdominal cavity that end up causing extra stress onto your pelvic floor. So You've also tightened muscles in areas where you don't need to have them tight. You're mm-hmm. weakened muscles and shortened muscles where they needed to be longer and stronger. So then when it's time to push, you don't really have the You have nothing to you. push with. And also if you think about the um I hate talking about poop. But it's so okay. awesome. So we have a book in our bathroom called "What's Your Poo Telling You." That's my how much he so, hates talking about it. <laughs> when you before you poop, okay, it, it's got to travel down. It's not like it's there ready to go all the time. And like as soon as it fills up, it's re- it's ready to go. It's like a process of moving down to that area to your rectum, right? And um, my and, poo physics aren't awesome, so I'm just going to yeah. stay with what he's saying. Okay. And then, so it takes a while to, to get down there and, and sort of build up. But in most of us, we don't have the, it's like a sort of like a kneading rhythm, like a, you know, gentle squeeze, relax, gentle squeeze, relax. Sort of like when you see a snake eating a goat or like a rabbit, right? <laughs> but in the opposite, you know, so it's kneading and it's pushing it down there. We don't have that ability anymore because things are kinked up. Were, um, we've, we've lost a lot of that, um, the tension where we need it and a lot of the, lost a lot of the ability to, to relax where we need it. Well, if you think about it, the biggest deal with uh, not being able to go number two, and I hope this is the last time we talk about this, um, is, uh, normally in nature, you'd squat down. Yeah. So a deep squat really allows things to go downward. When you're sitting on a toilet, the way your pelvis is turned, things aren't really going down. They're kind of going forward. So it's really, I mean, unless you can really untuck your pelvis, which very few people can do. So this is where the squatty potty comes in. And, you know, it's a device that allows you to kind of step up and and squat over your toilet. And uh, it allows this complete emptying of uh, of your bowel and um, your bladder. Just picture this. And many... Um, countries, um, they have, like in Japan, for instance. In Bulgaria? Bulgaria. You squat over a toilet. I mean, so you, you squat to go to the bathroom. And you don't sit on a chair. They don't have the throne. The throne is much more dignified there. But, uh, so, in these countries, you squat down and it puts you in the optimum position. Mm-hmm. To, to go to the bathroom. Just like for birthing. Um, and, and that's my favorite thing with, with giving birth nowadays is you have these women with hypertonic abs that are, you know, holding their abs tight for their whole life. Cause Hypertonic they means? Just, just really, really tight and, you know, having a lot of muscle tone and just being held there all the time, mm-hmm. stiff. And they go in to give birth and they have nothing to push with because they're they're so tight. And they also put them on their backs, which nobody goes on their back to do number two or number one for that matter. It's really uncomfortable to push anything laying back. And that's why, you know, more natural birthing positions like being on all fours, squatting are, you know, way, 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 way better and way easier for a woman. But it's all to to make child monitoring easier. So, you know, there's um, pros and cons there to our modern hospital system. Let's talk about, okay, let's move off from the gross things. Not let's move off from... Is, giving birth is beautiful, but poop is gross. Um, one day I'd love to have, if, like, our, our podcast is teeny tiny right now, but Sean Croxton, he's like, he's like the poop. If he, he knows his shit. Okay. Um, have him, have him as a guest. Yeah, that would be awesome. And I'd love Someday. to have Katie Bowman to talk more about alignment and, um, just talk more about natural movement and how to get your body back to a natural alignment so you can participate in a natural movement program without breaking yourself. Two different shows. Yeah, probably not on the same one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, so the last two things that I, that I wrote down real quick while we were talking was, and this, these two things affect a lot of people, and they are directly um, contributed to by poor alignment. Um I just hope I say it right, patella femoral syndrome, mm-hmm. right? Because that is when, that's like pain behind your kneecap. Mm-hmm. A lot of people have this. A lot mm-hmm. of people who wear high heels have this. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know that they they know that it's the heels that are causing it. Um, it's not always high heels that are causing it. 
but it's ca what's caused is your your kneecap being locked in the up and on position because you, your quads are super tight, which is a compensation that you get from being out of alignment and using making your quads do all the work instead of your your butt and your hamstrings, your glutes and your hamstrings. Yeah, it's pretty neat. It's pretty neat when you get somebody to relax their kneecaps and all of a sudden they're like, my knee yeah. pain is gone. If and I it, can do it on command, I'm going to do a little video and we'll post it where you can do yeah. my see how it see how it looks because it looks weird but it's normal like to have, i mean we're just so used to seeing everybody people in shorts bodybuilders with their big detailed quads and their kneecaps like locked in the up and on position so um we need to get some pictures so people can see what it's like because that's healthier yeah. and it's going to save your kneecaps save you that knee replacement yeah i had my knees uh, up and on for many 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 years until last year and uh, I have chondromalacia, worn-out kneecaps on both sides. And that's that's been the culprit all along. And um, hopefully I'm, I'm doing a lot better right now. And we're going to show you. We'll do a short video. I can show mine if yours aren't in the mood that day. Because <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. you're, you're still new at that, and yeah. they're not always in the mood to yeah. drop. So, okay, then the last thing, and then we can move on to the next subject. Where we got? We're 35 minutes in. But the last thing is uh, plantar fasciitis. And um, I have had plantar fasciitis, and many people have. And um, people always think the solution is is shoes with a heel and insoles that with a big arch. And I can tell you right now that when I got plantar fasciitis, I was wearing all those things anyway, and it's and I still got it. And now, um, you know, I'm barefoot at home most of the time. And, um, I can, you know, my doctor told me don't, never to walk barefoot. I'm barefoot all the time. And I wear shoes without any support. In fact, I have people at the gym that I'm training with that are, oh, don't you need to put on your supportive shoes before we start training? No, my, my shoe, my feet provide the support. My muscles provide the support. So I went from flat footed too to now I have now I have an arch. And this is an interesting discussion that I get in with a lot of people because they talk about how their shoes are um, necessary because they have flat feet. And without these supportive shoes, they're going to have flat feet. And they, they're afraid of getting plantar fasciitis. So the doctors warn them they're going to get plantar fasciitis. Now, I'm not saying to take off your super built-up shoes and jump right into exercising bare feet and bare feet or with minimal minimal minimalist shoes. What I'm saying is you, if you do what you can to get yourself um, in alignment, where you get yourself, um, work yourself into wearing minimal shoes over time, bring the heels down, and um, take care of those kneecaps, you're going to go a long way towards long foot health and uh, really reducing that, um, but the chance of plantar fasciitis, or if you have plantar fasciitis, making it go away, and um, bringing a good arch back to your foot, because um, we all have, we build our arches. We're born with flat feet. Babies are born with flat feet, and they build that arch as they start to walk over time. It's a, the muscles build up, and they build their arch, so you can build that arch back, and, um, and that's it. That's very cool. While I was up in Ventura, we looked at a paper from the 50s from this podiatrist, uh, who was talking about there's all these tests you can do to see how healthy your feet are. And I'm going to do like a short blog post with it and, and write about it soon. But one of his things was touch your feet and see how much muscle there is on top of your bones over the ball of your foot. And if you can feel your bones, then you just know you don't have enough muscle there. And we never think of our feet as something that needs to be buff as something that needs to have meat. You look at your pecs, you look at your biceps. But um, a lot of my clients that have plantar fasciitis and bunions and hammer toes and all of these foot complaints, they have skinny feet. It's like you look in the bottom and I'm like, wow, I can see everything. It's like seeing the ribs on a skinny person. And I never thought, wow, I have muscular feet, but now I'm like, my feet are buff. Um, and it's pretty cool. So. Bend down, look at your foot, see what it looks like. Um, and if you don't have enough muscle there, just know you have to exercise your feet. And you exercise your feet by walking. And walking with slightly more minimal shoes, 
walking on uneven terrains, just presenting your foot with different environments is the best thing you can do. Uh, I don't think the balancing on a BOSU ball is going to do what walking on uneven terrain can do for your foot. No. Remember, for the, well, we, I think we probably talk about walking in every episode. Walking is so important. Walking properly is very important. And um, eventually I'd like to get you guys to where you're all walking with minimal shoes um, and able to walk barefoot. Yeah, it'll be pretty cool. It'll be pretty cool. So that's about 30 days of real food and alignment so far. We have a couple of news to discuss. Um, what was the big thing that we were so upset about? The Coke commercial. Yeah, that was more like a rant. It's like, ah, <laughs> oh, we're upset and we need to share how upset we are. Y'all know soft drinks are bad, right? They're empty calories. and um, But they have water in them. It's just so frustrating because um, it's... Recently. Recently. We're, he's so frustrated he can't even tell you what we're talking about. Recently, Coke came out with a commercial somewhere like mid-January where they talk about um, all the variety of drinks they have and how about a third of their drinks, something like 180 of their drinks, are now available in low-calorie or no-calorie options or in these tiny little packages and how they have conveniently placed the number of calories on the can and how much they care about our families and obesity, how much they care about yeah, school vending know, machines. I think you have to know why this exists, why they did this. And this is, this is my opinion, of course. But I think they, like the cigarette companies did in the 50s and the 60s, whenever, and I'm, cigarettes, everyone knew cigarettes were bad by the time I was, you know, 10 years old. So I don't really know exactly when this happened. But at some point, cigarette manufacturers started to, do commercials and advertisements saying how much healthier they are and what they're doing for for our health. Like, you know. Cigarettes? Yeah. I mean, you know, in this country, they had, uh, they started advertising low-tar cigarettes, mm. lower nicotine cigarettes. Oh, low-tar cigarettes for your health. Filter cigarettes. Were Double filter. Yeah, extra filtered. So all these things were added, and they were talking about all the research they're doing to make cigarettes healthier. Right. Wow. Okay. So this is so. In my opinion, Coke and all these other. I mean, this. I haven't seen Pepsi do any advertising on this in this regard, so I can't really comment on what they're going to do or what they think. But Coca Cola saw the writing on the wall and said, "Hey, people are blaming the obesity us, crisis, yeah, the obesity yeah. epidemic on our company, on our companies like ours. We have to get out there and say something before it's too big. We have to say something now." Before, because, you know, in New York, they tried, they tried or they did pass a, law, did pass a law where you can't have giant size sodas. Or, you know, people can go back and get refills, but you can no longer sell the giant size soda um, at, at like a restaurant. Um, there are, you know, taxes where they're more expensive, all sorts of different things. So I think Coke saw the writing on the wall and said, we're going to make this thing. It's, this their, their big ad is almost like a... It's like a PSA, like a public a, service it's announcement. Like a two, two minute long, carefully orchestrated. I'm sure they have yeah. neuro linguistic programmers programming yeah, in the background. Like not really subliminal advertising, but like like you know, pictures of all of the people that flashing in front of their eyes, like saying "We are Coke." Coke is the, all of these people are Coke. They are Coke supporters, um, and it's just very frustrating because what they're really coming out and what they're really saying is that. Everything has, yes, Coke has calories, but everything has calories. And what makes you fat? Calories make you fat. So, you need look to exercise. what we're doing. We're giving you all these options that have lower calories and no calories. And we have voluntarily, this is the part that gets me, because California was trying to pass a law that you can't have sugary soda. I think California already does have a law. You cannot have sugary sodas in the vending machines at school. Why they have vending machines at all is beyond me. But... They can't have sugary sodas. For a while, you could have Gatorade. I don't know if you can still have the sports drinks in there or not. But you can have juice and water, mm -hmm. I know. And I think you can have diet, iced teas, nothing. I think you can't have anything with bubbles, in, at least in my kid's school or the middle school. But they say, oh, we voluntarily reduced the drinks in school vending machines so they have 80% fewer calories 
overall. Well, that's not all the drinks have 80% fewer calories. It just means that they put more water. But what if you, if you ever been to one of those vending machines where every row of that crappy food is available because no one buys it, but all the other one, like a whole bunch of the good stuff is empty? So, I mean, if you have a, you know, all you have to do is put two Coke machines in and put like water in like 50% of them and whether, who cares whether people buy them, water's not going to go bad and they can, you know, and they just keep restocking the three rows of Gatorade or three rows of Coke over and over and over again. So they've done their part. They've provided all of these things. It just ticks me off so much because they're being so, it's so disingenuous. It's so much covering their butt before the law. They're trying to do something to say, so when somebody tries to pass a law, they can say, but look at all the things we're doing. It's not our fault because look at all the advertising we're doing to say that they can have diet drinks. Well, ultimately, it it comes down to saying that it's everybody's responsibility to make sure that you have calculated how much you move and how much you eat. And there was in the commercial, there's this spot where this kid is packing lunch and there's sandwiches and there's uh, Coke and there's sodas and then there's somebody running so it's like within two seconds you get like oh here's all this food and drinks and calories and running and you just have to do the math however we know that that's not how it works it, yeah that you, skinny little girl running yeah did not get that skinny work you know she's not running that coke off no the the problem isn't that the the equation doesn't work out calories in calories out may work out on the level of pure math but then there's mechanisms that stimulate your brain to eat or drink certain things that are way outside the calories. And I don't know how long people are going to keep relying on that calories in, calories out thing when we know that there's mechanisms that reward you to eat more of certain things. And we're going well, we're, we're to... an example here. Like if you look at... Um, so in the olden days, and even and in communism, right when you were you know a kid in Bulgaria, these soft drinks were pretty rare. Very rare, only for holidays. And in like when I was growing up, you could get them all the time, but my parents didn't have them in the house all the time, and my friends' parents didn't have it. Every once in a while, I remember going to my friend's house, and these they were not particularly healthy friends, but you would go to the refrigerator, and there was like milk and water that kind of stuff in the refrigerator. And every once in a while, their parents would come home with like one six-pack of Coke or root beer. And it was like, you can have one. You know, hey, kids, you want a soda? Yeah. Oh, yeah, we were so excited because we hadn't had a soda in days. Yeah. But now it's like, instead of water, it's like, oh, we're out of soda? What can I drink? There's, I don't have numbers in front of me, but the last time I read anything like statistics, it was uh, a kid has an average of seven cans of soda a day. That's very bothersome. Coke is right. It is the calories for the most part, but, and we do have a responsibility, but when these things are everywhere and you grow up eating these things in such large amounts, it's almost like the, it's almost like you've been brainwashed into thinking that these things are okay and that these things are normal. But it's the new normal. It's not normal. It's, it's not, just typical. It's not natural. It's yeah. normal is how I yeah. like to say it. And also, these are these um, non-nutritive behaviors where you are ingesting something that's not necessarily providing nutrition. So it's replacing something else that could be providing nutrition. So in the end, you're selling yourself short you're eating something that's not giving you anything, but it's taking something away and is possibly reinforcing bad behaviors with other foods. So what we suggest is if you are in any power of making decisions in your household, just reduce the amount of soda you buy Mm. or try to find healthier soda. I know there's a couple of sodas with stevia uh, that you can have and just have less of them. And see if you can come up with some sort of other drinks that are just as fun or close to the fun of soda, but, you know, are not soda. We love at home, we love soda water. Roland's son will happily drink a Pellegrino instead of a Coke if you offer him. And we never give him Coke. Um, and you can add things like cucumbers and mint and lemons and limes and grapefruits and oranges to infuse your 
soda water and make it have flavor if that's what you like. But just know it's very hard to pretend that these things are healthy because you're having a little bit of them. I, mean, I hate to be like a, one of those stick in the butt or one of those oh, kind of guys, but um, but this stupid Coke company got me there. Um, it's You're just, so bitter. It, yeah, it's just not not all drinks have to be fun. You know, if you're thirsty, you know, water, iced tea, you know, not everything has to be sweet and delicious and all oh, this. What a treat. Oh, it's very interesting. I just spent a week with a good 30 people that are very health conscious. I mean, there's more, there was more coconut and coconut oil and avocados and sardines and nuts in, in the kitchen of the Restorative Exercise Institute that I've seen in a long time. I mean, people are really, they really care about eating real food. However, a lot of my colleagues were drinking like a liter or two of coconut water a day. And these are people that are trying to stay healthy drinking all this natural sugar, they're like, but it's good for you, but it's good for you, but it's good for you. Yes, but do you need, you know, 60 grams of sugar in your diet today from something that you can easily go without? No, I don't think it's good for you. Well, it's sugar. You don't really, you don't really <laughs> yeah, need it. Don't, there's very little in coconut water. Potassium. And, yeah. But there's potassium I in know. it. I mean, so it's like one of those things where it's not it's not as bad for you or in small quantities it's not or if you just ran a 5k you know and you sweat or it's a really hot day and you sweat a lot i can see some benefits to it but it's you not still a, need to add sodium to it yeah <laughs> but it's not a daily it shouldn't be like a daily drink it shouldn't be like one of those things oh you know i'm not having soda anymore so i'm gonna have yeah, there were people coconut water there were people chugging down first of all it's really expensive one it's of those like big things it's two or three day. times the cost of soda so if you think, it's not you know, so your costs are going to go up. Um, Just think about you know. it. Just think about it. Watch that Coke commercial. Tell yeah, us what you think. We're going to put a link and we'll you can check it out. Yeah, check it out. Tell us what you think. And then then if you're, even if you're one of those people that's like, I never buy soda. This message is not for me. You have parents. You have grandparents. You have family. You have coworkers. There's people around you that you can influence with your choices. So just spread the message and uh, see what you can do and different. Take a look at some of the drinks that they show. Vitamin water zero? Okay, that's not a... I don't care how many vitamins they have in these things. There's so many chemicals and artificial things in those things to that gonna erase the vitamins. Yeah, it's wishful thinking yeah. is what it is. And we just need to go back to where real food comes from and just... Try to stick to that and not get easily distracted by, by advertising. Um, we need to end on something positive. We need to take, oh, I was just going to rant about paleo desserts. What are you thinking? <laughs> okay, so we went to the Super Bowl party yesterday. Which was awesome, by the way. Which was amazing. It had some great food. It, was, it had amazing food. And uh, well, our host was gluten-free, so there was a lot of gluten-free um sausages and meats and apparently some sausages have gluten in them so it's important to get gluten-free ones and there were i think she was just was that it or was uh -huh. she just labeling everything no because there's she's very sensitive so she can't have soy sauce that had that's made with yeah. wheat so i think some of the things interesting okay she's just making sure that making everything sure, is gluten-free yeah. and we had some delicious gluten-free Rice crackers. Yeah, they were good. They tasted seeds. just like regular crackers. Yeah. I mean, they were really good. They were, they were pretty good. Our friend Ashley made um, famous chili with uh, tons of vegetables. It was delicious. It was great chili. It was, it was really, good. really, really good. And our friend Eugene made this um, slow barbecued tri-tip, which was awesome. Yeah. And Ashley's been getting into making these delicious paleo cookies. Um, and this is where my rant comes. Ah. Um, paleo desserts in general. Um, I'm sure that there were no paleo chocolate chip cookies in paleo times two and a half million years ago. No. Uh, and it's just wishful thinking saying, hey, it's paleo, it's good for you. It still has calories. It still has some sugar, even though it has less than your grandma's cookies. Um, but don't slip into, I'm going to buy this paleo dessert cookbook and I'm going to be able to have these things as a part of my diet because... It's still food that you do not need it's to hyper -palatable. live healthy. It's easily overeaten. I, mean, I could have eaten 20 of those cookies. Yeah. 
I ate two thirds of a cookie, and I could have eaten. Well, it's like saying um, honey is paleo, so I'm gonna here. I'm gonna get a spoon. I'm gonna be like Winnie the Pooh and eat this jar of honey. I mean, you're still gonna get fat. Yeah. So I don't care how whether it's paleo or not. Now, in Ashley's defense, he doesn't make those all the time. So he knew there was a party, and he mm-hmm. wanted to bring something that his kids could have as a little treat, and um, and that our host could have. Since she's gluten-free. And they were really good. He made a small amount, just the right amount. And he says he doesn't make them all the time because if he did, he would eat them all. And yeah. then he would, he would not. He's lost like 20 pounds. Yeah, he's amazing. So he, looks he's, really, he looks really, really good. Really good. Yeah, so um, good for him. I just wanted to mention that because I've had a couple of clients that are making paleo something every day. It's paleo muffins, right. then it's banana bread, <laughs> then it's pumpkin bread, then it's these little paleo balls. And, oh, I'm just making them for my colleagues. But if you're constantly making sweets and treats, just see if there's – maybe you need to take care of something in your life. Like plant a garden, get a puppy, uh, sign up for a book club, do a charity, do something that's not food-related. Well, let's and, take this back for a second to the 30 Days of Real Food, right? Yeah. Because one of the things that we talk about in the 30 Days of Real Food – is not just it's not just 30 days of real real ingredients real food ingredients because you can find all sorts of ingredients that aren't bad for you and put them together in combinations of things that are you know um fake pancakes fake buns i mean you can do all these things but that's not the point point is that the goal should be to eat as much as you to eat primarily um like Real foods that are not like processed and put together into these these dishes that mimic the bad foods of modern day. So you don't need to have paleo chicken pot pie with some sort of uh, you know almond meal crust and everything. You know, you, but you can have chicken. You can have chicken stew, right? Which has vegetables, chicken, gravy, uh, all sorts of things. You can have um, instead of paleo tacos, you can have taco salad. I mean, you can have beef stew or meatballs or meatloaf and, and grilled vegetables and steamed vegetables, sautéed vegetables. You can have all these different things that are, you know, I, I would consider those to be real food. It's things that you could, um, primarily I'd say the guideline is something you can take, like that you can cook quickly and, you know, and they're individual things. Here's your meat. Here's your vegetables. Here's your fruit, maybe. Here's a salad. And they're individual items um, that are recognizable. It's not a, you know, it doesn't have to be a lasagna or it doesn't have to be um, chicken cacciatore. I don't even know what that is. But um, it doesn't have to be a dish. It just has to be foods. Well, uh, and that's a difficult transition to make if if you've used your food for entertainment for a long time. So to close on the paleo dessert note, just keep these things for special occasions, birthdays, Super Bowl parties, and... uh, you know, times when you really need to celebrate something and just don't fill your kitchen with healthy desserts. It's just, or it's nearly as bad as having regular desserts in there. Now, I was really happy at the Super Bowl party because um, there were things that I was not able to eat or was not willing to eat. But these people, I mean, this was not like a, it's not like we went to some party where it's, oh, everyone's like these health and fitness nuts. These were just normal, normal people. And... Um, there were, it was primarily, there were a lot of vegetables. There was the chili, who he's a health guy, but there was, uh, meatballs and there was an awesome salad. There was an awesome fruit salad. There was fruit everywhere. There was a lot of really good stuff. Mm-hmm. So they did a really good job and no one was walking around going, oh, where's the cake or where's the, there was no, um, there was no pizza. I mean, it was not like the traditional Super Bowl parties that I've been to in the past, so I was pretty impressed, and I was really proud of myself. And and you said as well that um, there's delicious food there, and we did not come out feeling like we had to put on our eating pants. So we did a good job, yay for us! And it seemed like the rest of the group was doing pretty good too. Yeah, very cool. So that's it from us, I think, for uh, for this episode. Yeah. Uh, if there's anything that you would like us to cover or any questions that you have, uh, come over either to the website or to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash... The Fitting. Okay. And, um, or write us. 
Okay. So we're going to try to do these a little more often. Um, we had a guy who was out of town, so that made it kind of hard. And um, but like to do it more often. So you guys have questions, um, things, specific topics you want us to cover, um, let us know, and uh, we will we will do it. Yeah, we have a couple of interesting guests lined up. Uh, we have a registered dietitian that's going to be with us on the next show. So if you have any questions for her or want to ask anything specific regarding to registered dietitians, now would be the time to ask, maybe on our Facebook page. Yep. That is it. That's it for today. We have a lot of links that we'll put in the show notes, and so check it out there. You can comment there on the on the, po on the post itself or on Facebook, and uh, we'll uh, start up a little conversation. Thank you for listening. Thanks, and I'll talk to you guys later.